Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. All righty then, Lizzie Morris. Let me start with welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. You know, I am grateful for your generous contributions to my journey. You know, your willingness to be a keynote at the Agile for Humanity conference is such a testament to your gift of lifting others up. Also, just for the work that you do as a learning facilitator, helping people learn how to apply agility globally. So, hey, Lizzie, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the wonderful welcome. It's always nice to be a part of something where somebody is doing more because, you know, doing more, reaching more hands here, hands there. It's like, oh, yes, yes, definitely want to be a part in supporting that because it's in, it's important, right? We come together as a mosaic of different experiences, different thoughts, different things, challenges. Like there's something that you'll go and go, oh, I want to go dig into that. And that might not appeal to me or not appeal to somebody else, but then somebody else feels, oh, I want to dig into that. When it comes together, it forms this great mosaic of knowledge that everybody can pull from and be uplifted from. And that's the point. It's serving everybody, but we all bring something unique to the table. So I'm about promoting that uniqueness. Yes, yes, for sure. So I can't wait to hear what you have to share about building a cu culture with a focus on we, willing and enabled. So let's talk about how can leaders create a culture of we, willing and enabled in their teams? What are your experience with that? It's so funny. I was planning to write an article later today, right? Because I read something on LinkedIn that sparked a thought. And it was this, a retired leader said, you know, they're kind of fed up of all the stuff everybody's putting on LinkedIn about leadership. Because in reality, leaders really don't have the ability to change much. And I thought, oh, so many organizations give people a title with leadership connotations involved, right? To the title, but don't give them the power. So, yes, it's great for the bank account because if you get into a leadership role, you know, you get the progressions and pay raises, et cetera, you get into another pay bracket. But if you're never empowered to truly ever lead and change anything, what does that do to your morale? And how does that empower you to lead others? Because if your model is a model of it's a title, but it's not anything that can move anything or anybody, you're not going to be motivated to be a leader who, you know, inspires people to dream and imagine because your world has some very staunch realities in it that hold you here, right? So it makes me think when I think about leadership today, there has to be some conversations and some things that are sparked in boardrooms. And the reason why I say boardrooms it's because for most organizations, it's a board that controls a C-suite. And then the C-suite then acts out the things that have been commissioned to do by a board. So if the boardrooms are not seeing the need for a new dimension of leadership that is truly empowered versus being dictated to, it won't shift anything. And so I think our challenge there is we must 
spark boards everywhere and C-suites to go back to their boards and say, this is the world today and this is what people need. And if we want to have great talent or grow and nurture and involve great talent, this is what we need to be able to do. So set us free. That's my thoughts on that. You know, that's an excellent thought in, in terms of, you know, some of the the, the limitations that could take place uh, for leaders creating this culture uh, for their teams for so that we could have this focus on we. But let's talk about strategies. Are there some strategies or approaches that leaders can employ to cultivate a, a sense of willingness in their teams and just ensuring members are not just compliant, but genuinely committed to the work that we have to do. There's something I've been uh, utilizing with some people I'm coaching at the moment, um, and I call it the four C's, right? It started as three C's, but just in conversation, I'm like, okay, we got to put this fourth C in. The fourth C is challenge. And why that's there is the idea of what do we need to challenge ourselves to become or to do or to stop, right? That's where the challenge piece comes in. But the other three C's are connection. I think what we have got to demonstrate as leaders to our teams is that we are connected. Because when I connect with you, then you are seeing this human side of me. I'm acknowledging your humanity and you're seeing that I'm here with you. We've made a connection, right? And I think I, I think that's so vital. You've got to connect with your team. If you are here and your team is here, you're not even going to begin to get what it is you would like to get because they're not going to volunteer their skills. They'll give you just enough that is being demanded or commanded of them, right? The second C is collaboration. Now, why the second C is collaboration is when you really collaborate, you are really listening. It's not brainstorming. And it's, it's similar, but it's different brainstorming is I've got this, I've got this, and everybody's throwing stuff. But when we collaborate, we're taking something and together we're organizing our thoughts around this thing to bring together an harmony that we can use as a result of all our mass genius, right? So collaboration is really important. And if you're going to collaborate, people have to be respecting each other. And there has to be that safety in that space that I feel respected so I can voice this that you're going to hear it you're going to listen and then we're going to collaborate around it so that's the second c right the third one is communication and i know it sounds like if you're going to collaborate and you're going to connect communication should absolutely happen but many years ago in my 20s when i was going for contracts in the uk i put together this formula right saying communication equals message sent being message received within the same context in which it was sent and it won't be this huge contract. But I think that is still relevant today. What I'm saying to you, did you receive the package that I sent with the context that I sent it with? Or did you receive the package but not the context? So if you didn't receive the context, although it's language and per se words you would understand, you will hear it differently from how I sent it to you. And in hearing it differently, you'll have either a reaction or a response, but it won't be the response or reaction that I need because that wasn't the message that I sent. So communication 
we have really got to dig deep into communication to make sure, okay, when you say this, how do you want it to be received? What's the context that they should have around it when they receive it and work to craft our language to achieve that? Because if you don't get the communication right, you can't get what I call the dance of communication to happen, right? Because nobody knows the rhythm that we're on. So then it's not a dance. If you ever, <laughs> you ever watch people on the dance floor who aren't blessed with rhythm, <laughs> right? They're hearing the music, okay? They're hearing it and they're having a good time and they're there with you, but they just don't got the rhythm. So we just look so awkward. <laughs> it's not the great optics in the world when you've got somebody with rhythm and somebody not with rhythm. The optics are not great. So when you think about that, teams have got to think about the optics to other teams and to the organization at large. And leaders have definitely got to hold that because they're optics, right? So it's important to get communication right so that you get the dance happening and everybody's flowing in rhythm. So the optics look right as well as the outputs. Does that make sense? No, no, yeah. it, it makes sense. You know, you know, br bringing those C's together, the three C's or four C's, or you added the fourth uh, right. and, and really being able to um, share and show the, having that willingness to show out into the rest of their community or, or organization yeah. Um, just how do we work well together? Because it's humans, right? And um, and some people get offended if you call people your family or you call work people your family. But I think the reason why a lot of people lean into saying family is because they think about family dynamics. Yeah. Right? Um, because in the dynamics of a family, you've got really strong people. You've got people not so strong. They just go and they'll just follow. You've got times when people are talking to each other. So then when you think about family dynamics, there's always somebody in the family who's a peacemaker they come in to bring everybody back together. So I think that's the reason why so many people uh, look at families, um, look at their teams and call them their families. And when you think about how much time we spend working, we often spend more <laughs> time with our work colleagues um, than you even do your biological and the people in your world who you classify as family members. So if you think about here are people I'm going to spend most of my year with, so let's not even say your life, just say most of my year, right? So here's a bunch of people I'm going to spend most of my year with. When I'm sick, when I'm not sick, when I'm coming down with something, because you know those times you're coming down with something, you haven't acknowledged that you're sick yet, right? Times when I'm coming down with things. Times when the rest of my world, my ecosystem, my relationships outside of work, my finances, my health, my dreams, other things could be challenged around me. But in that year, these people are going to see me at my best and my unbest, so if we, we've got humans that you're going to spend so much time with, and the idea of spending this time with these humans is to produce something, an outcome that's valuable that you can make profits on, why not invest in making that relationship work? Why not invest time in making that environment work for those people? Because it's so much time. You know, instead of yeah. the idea of, a box, you know, like you're, you're like you're a homeless person and you just got a box and okay, it's so a box you're here. That sometimes is the way we treat the work environment. We're not considering there are all these humans who are going to spend all this time together this year. What can we do to facilitate that? 
as a leader, what can I do to facilitate this? So it's the best possible that it could be for all of them, considering all the many dynamics that are going to happen to them throughout this year. And I'm wanting this great outcome. What do I do? So th- that's that's a great leeway into talking about enablement. You know, we're talking about what resources training on and or envir- environmental factors are essential for assuring a team feels fully enabled to tackle challenges because it's not just willingness, but it's also enablement. How do we bring that in as a, a core example as a leader to help move things along, make things better? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about your program, right? Um, generative leadership to thrive um, and the modules that you've put together. Because I think one of the things a leader has to admit and be okay with, you don't have to have all the answers. <laughs> Nobody's saying you're a bad leader if you don't have these answers. If You can't solve for what I'm talking about. Nobody's saying you have to solve for it. But what you want to do is be a facilitator of the solution. Right. So go hunt or talk to people about hunting to find these things, because I have all these humans and I don't know how to deal with all of them. I know what I've been commissioned to do, and I'm good at what I've been commissioned to do. I'm good at thinking strategically, but strategy around making humans work well together. It's not something I've dedicated time to. And it's not something the industry globally has really put time in to give leaders. Do you know what I mean? The idea of a leader is that you can either command leadership and command respect so people follow you and you have results. And because you've had results before, people follow you and believe you'll do it again. But the environments you've done it in before are not what the environments are like now. Because the world and COVID is going to forever be for us for many generations, the thing we refer back to, right? Because COVID did this big red stop to the world. Boom, not just to a nationality, not just to a group of people, but to the world. It said, you are all humans and you don't have an answer for everything. So what is the most important thing that you can focus in on? And what everybody focused in on was people they care about. That's what they did in COVID, right? And then what can I do to create an environment that allows the people I care about to be okay and to be safe? And what can I do for me that enables me to be okay so I can help my people to be okay? It was that priority order that people went to. So forever the world has been touched by this. So leadership has to shift to acknowledge the workers you have today are not always going to be the workers you have tomorrow. So the company that you're building today and the culture you're building today has got to be able to sustain the workers that will come. Because the workers like you and me, those older, are getting ready to leave, right? Because of our ages. So it's a new workforce that's coming in. What will this workforce need to be able to thrive and to produce for you the way you want things to be produced? Very different from our era. So it's okay to say, I don't know how to prepare for that. And, get and, and that is so true. Um, if if we wanted to look at from your perspective, you know how how do willingness and enablement differ yet complement each other in the context of team resilience and leadership, which is a very interesting thing of trying to battle these two um, 
different themes and getting them to work together and really understanding that there's a difference between those who are willing and those mm-hmm. who are, in, are enabled. And then when you put yeah. two of them together, ah, something new and beautiful. That's, that's something amazing that comes together because we need the willingness. I want to, I choose to, I will do this, but we need the skill set, the techniques, um, the how to's right? Which is that enablement. So you need to be enabled to do it. And if you don't have the techniques and you don't have the skill set, then you've got to be able to get it from somewhere. So combining now, I'm willing. Willing is the start. Willing is the start because I can have tools and not be willing to share them with you and not be willing to let you into that knowledge and just act like I don't even know it. Right. But like you said, bring those two together and marrying them now we've got strength mm. you know because that willingness allows us to say well, it might be hard it might be difficult we may have a little bit of curve to go through but we're going to go through it and then we've got the enablement that comes with that now because we've been willing we go and we dig we go and we learn we discover we research and then we find here's now our offering to the workplace that we can bring. So it's important for the both to be combined because we're very good um, at looking at the enablement. We'll go send you to this course, go get this certification, go learn this stuff. So now you've been enabled with knowledge and then skip the willing part. Right. And then you've got, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's it's extremely important to have both working well together. But when, mm-hmm. when we look at it from a leadership perspective, right, in your experience, you know, what are common barriers or misconceptions leaders might encounter when implementing, you know, this kind of like we way of working or framework, you know, and how might they overcome those? So, you know, it's, it's really not a simple, well, the enablement part may be simple, but Doing both together is really difficult, in my opinion. I think you're right, because one of the things leaders have to be prepared to do is to unravel themselves as a leader. Um, and what I mean by that is the leader that we are is based on the leadership we've been exposed to. Right. And also based on the leadership that we've modeled, whether intentionally or unintentionally so if i'm really wanting to be a willing leader that is going to make an environment great so that people are enabled to do i've really got to take some time out and work on myself Mm. and that's the thing that we don't often call out to leaders right yeah we i mean how often do you hear that um, there are some organizations who are really big on that, though. Don't get me wrong. So like when they hire leaders in at certain levels, they hire them personal coaches. Right. So they hire them a life coach. And, um, they hire them a thinking coach. And they do these things because they understand that they have got to support the human who is in this role. And the human comes with things. And we all do. Right. There is so much career trauma that exists in our workplaces that we don't deal with. And so then they deal with us and they sneak up on us and they can cause us to damage others, even when we don't want to. So it's important for leaders to do the work 
on unraveling their leadership and understanding who they are as a leader now and what is the leader they're wanting to become. That personal work has got to be done. It cannot be ignored. It's vital to the success of their legacy and their teams, if they're serious. But some people will act like they're unflawed and they're unscarred. Sometimes there are scars that are un totally invisible to everybody else. Nobody can see those scars, but they still are scars. They, they certainly are. And, and as you brought up the generative leadership to thrive course, you know, two topics that I cover in there is one is limiting belief. Mm -hmm. We all have those. And the second part is the Dunning-Kruger effect, the biases that we have, right? So there are two very uh, important uh, topics that is discussed um, in that course and have people to become aware of what they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is totally, uh, uh, it, you know, it really, it is. So look, when we talk about, you know, the we way of working, the willing and enabled way of working, you know, how does that feed in to the development of resilient teams and share an example, you know, where, you know, focus on willingness and enablement, you know, directly contributed to a team's resilience, you know, during some adversity they may have encountered. You know what, um, recently just comes to bear, like most like just recent, right? Um, one of my colleagues um, have come down with COVID. Now, this particular colleague is a workaholic to the core, right? Um, to the core. And he's oh, has this amazing ability to have his hands in everything and always be aware of what's going on. Like, just really good at that. Um, and when he came down with it, it hit him hard. Mm. Um, and so he wasn't able to. Even when, you know, he was still trying to come on line and we're like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing? Get off, go to bed. Um, right. But it was the way the team swarmed around his stuff to make sure there was nothing lacking and did it with such willingness because they know how much he always does it for everybody else. But just so how genuine he is about trying to be there for all the groups and make sure they have what they need and be that listening ear. He's just, it's so very genuine with him. It was beautiful to see everybody come around regardless of their own schedules and things to fill those gaps, you know, and discuss, okay, well, I can handle that. I can handle that. It was beautiful to see that willingness. Do you know what I mean? Because you can be in teams where when somebody's sick or they're not there, everybody just lets their stuff fall to the dust. Whatever. Yeah, but there was there wasn't that, and it was beautiful. And I don't even know if he's if he's analyzed just how much of a, an effect and respect everybody has for him. And like, let me not just say respect. Like, <laughs> we often don't talk about the like part. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's true. The yeah, like yeah, part is important. Do you like the people you work with? You know, like is important. I need to like you. It, it makes a difference when you like the people you work with. It makes the atmosphere so much more. It makes it better. And when you are thinking about resilience, resilience isn't something that 
although you can go to resilience training and people try to give you the one, two, three, four, five of how to be resilient, right? One has to understand the reason resilience comes into play is because there has been some kind of drama that has happened. Something triggered that. So something that's unexpected and something that can cause people to go into fright or flight has happened. This is why we need resilience. Something hard is taking place. It has been introduced to our environment. And that's the part we don't tend to look at. Something hard has been introduced that we weren't expecting. What happens normally as a result of that? So understanding that that's what normally happens, preparing people like you would do for a fire drill. Do you know what I mean? Preparing people that yeah, this yeah. And I think that's the part that we're not great at. So then you don't get resilience to show up with intention. Do you know what I mean? Like we've practiced resiliency. So it's kind of like you will have a fire drill and we practice that if this alarm goes off, everybody meets at this part of the building or we do X. We need to kind of have some dry runs to simulate to people. So they have examples of when they need to tap into resilience. You so know, that, it's, it's, yeah, you know, I was just interesting. Sorry for interrupting. Um, I was just thinking about something that I read about resilience today. And I was talking about three points of one is perspective, the way we see things. The other is pivot, the ability to make change. And the last is purpose, really understanding why are we here? Why why are we to bonded together? Why are we working on this stuff? So if you, you could think of resilience in those three different themes per se, you know, that's another way that we could practice this, that we have perspective, we have the ability to pivot and change as need be, right? Um, and that's, that's agility. And we're also having a purpose. We know why, why we're here together as a team. So I thought that was pretty profound that I, I learned think today. That's something when you think about that could be practiced because you can give yeah. scenarios. Yeah. Right. So I can test this on you. If this happens, what will you pull on or what will you push away and have those discussions, facilitate those kind of discussions with teams so we can understand if our resilience muscle is strong enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, for us who, uh, who live in this adaptability world or agility world, you know, we practice that through an event called retrospectives, right? You know, that that's one place that we could really test that and see if it's something that we really need to work on. I think, and, and, and not throwing our way, our retrospectives, because retrospectives are awesome. They're a tool I use yeah. in my own life, right? Yeah, yeah. Idea of how do you bring that topic into the retrospective? Yeah. You see what I mean? Because if we're not yeah. even aware that we need to be resilient, okay, so we're not aware we need to be resilient. Nothing's really happened that's pulled recently on our resilience. So if you we try to measure it, how would we do that when it's not yet a topic? So maybe one of the things we need to put in topics of retrospectives is like a standard is how are we feeling on the resilience radar today? What spectrum do we think we have? Do we think if something really bad happened that we'd be good and we'd know what we're gonna do next? Would we be able to keep our purpose in mind or will the purpose leave? 
you know, and do. No, that's have. brilliant. I mean, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, now you brought that up. I'm just like, I think about retrospectives and our standard retrospectives tools, right? Yeah. And contracts that we use. I don't see anything that we've got that, yeah. really, that you know, that creates a space for resilience as such. So maybe. And, and so we, 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 sorry for talking over. I'm so excited about this topic. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you're saying stuff and I'm like, my mind is getting all, I'm getting all these pictures and I'm like, oh, well, maybe we could, you know? Yeah. I, I could just imagine a, a, as a, a a team of um, event that you could bring this up as a topic, right? Uh, here, like I just read about resilience in, in a very interesting way today. That's how you bring it in. It may not even it may come in before you even do a retrospective. It may just be something you do during a learning day, and that's some of the things that I believe leaders can do: introduce some of these type of topics um, as they're working with their teens. You know, when you think, if you are now to be given the opportunity and somebody says to you, Dr. Dave, come in and lead our organization. So let's just say somebody throws at you the CEO, you know, position in an organization. And let's give you an organization of 5,000 people. Okay, so mm. you've been thrown an organization of 5,000 people. Um, and a company that's been existing for Let's give it at least 15 years, which is almost a new company, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, would, yeah. What would be your first five things that you would do in that kind of environment? Given what you know and what you believe in, what would be those first five things? Well, wow, that, that's, that's a heavy question. So, I mean, the very first thing that I think about, you know, is really to learn more about the culture. And, you know, that's where I would start is through inquiry. Um, that would be the very first thing that, you know, I would want to know what's, what's, what's really going on here and, and really start to think about how do I really either augment what's really here, amplify, right. Or what areas that we really need to work on. So I, I think of things of, you know, an organization being able to deliver value. So I think about what about the happy contributing people, right? Be people positive be one of the first things the second thing that i would care about um the, the, the other thing that i would care about is that you know are we satisfying our customers right i mean it's, it's another aspect of it um i think about how do we build um a, a thriving organization right and and so that's about four and and i don't know if they're going to any specific order but to me it's, it's can we really build a generative culture where we're we're giving life to people who are there, giving life to our customers, giving life to our products um, in, in that context. So, so that's the way I, I would look at this. And, and obviously there's many other structures and techniques that you could use to, to implement some of those themes that I just enumerated, but, but that's the way I would approach it. Right? It's, it's more from a, a perspective of, I need to learn. I need to ask. Um, I, I need to, you know, learn more about people and and what's really important to them. Because to me, that's a, that's that's a critical aspect that I see with some leaders is that they have the Dunning Kruger effect going on and they're biased and they know everything. And that's not my stance. 
I think it's interesting that you mentioned people in three types of dimensions as you were speaking. Because you talked about people, the employees, right? People, the customers, because they're mm -hmm. people, right? Um, and then people, the spectators, who are people looking on kind of at the organization. Um, and it's interesting to me more and more, as you look at it, it doesn't matter what we say, it comes back to people. Yes. So you're going to inquire and look at the culture. You're going to look at, well, how do these people act with each other right now? Um, yet it's the biggest struggle to get leaders to admit they're leading people for the benefit of people, customers, benefit of community, more people, um, rather than thinking to themselves, they're managing and leading resources. Well, that that's just the you know the military industrial <laughs> complex context that we have been trained in for many many generations, right? To start, and, and so I, I went to a conference one just to share this with you, and there there was uh, a sticker that says, "If you mean people, say people." Is what the the the, the sticker said, and the, the reason that, that resonated with me is that oftentimes. As leaders, we want to talk about people as resources. People are not resources. Money is a resource. People are people. And there's a distinction. And if we don't make that distinction as leaders, it's, it's really difficult for us to, to think about our own humanity and the individuals that we're leading and their humanity and some of the challenges that they're faced with. Because people come with resources. Yes. Right? Yes. They're their knowledge is a resource to you. Their experience right. is a resource. Their ability to learn is a resource. They come resourced. Um, and I think that's what that's the message that we have to get. We have to get better at. You know, without a doubt. Yeah, because you talk when we're talking about generative leadership, we can't be regenerating this old mindset. No, but it's not regenerating, it's rebirth. So it's new life, new context is, is the perspective of when we talk about being generative, right? It's, you know, it's not like, hey, let's take all these bad habits and keep doing it. No, no, new life, right. <laughs> new context. Think right. About Star Trek, so, right? Yeah, so... <laughs> because I just thought about you know when they have the people have what's it and they have the guns and the guns give them like new cells so whatever wasn't there and they can now grow back and it's new and it's better than what yeah. it was before um, but it takes the amputation or dismantling of the old yes. to give room for the new yes yes That's we, we yeah, there the, yeah, there has to be some some clearing, right? I mean, if you plant, if you do any type of farming, there has to be clearing for you to go and plant new, you know, new crop for it to grow, right? So, so let's let's think of about you know as work and team dynamics evolve. Mm -hmm. um, it, what tips would you offer leaders to ensure their teams remain willing and enabled 
thereby ensuring resilience in the face of uncertainty, because that, that's where we are, right? We have all of this uncertain stuff going on. So honesty. Yeah. Mm. Honesty. You know, we, we talk in our world about transparency, right? Yeah. Um, you often say, well, you have to be really realistic. Depending on what kind of organization that you're in, transparency only goes this far. You're going to be transparent to this, 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 you know, and we give those caveats. But I think honesty is where the power is going to lie. Because if I can be honest with you about this is where it is, I'm not going to soup it up and put fanfare on it. Um, this is where it is. But I'm hopeful that now that we know where it is, we can begin to think, well, what can we do? Not what should we do. There's a difference. Because should can be something that's been dictated because other people have viewed it and not seen everything. So they've said, you should be doing X. But we who are in it, we who are the team together. And when I say team, I'm including the leader and I wanna make sure I say that. So we as a team, we're coming together. If we are honest, we can find what can we do, right? And then we can find where is that place that we can stretch to. So now we need to get some knowledge. We need to get some understanding. But if you start with honesty, you leave room for hope. And when hope comes in, you're definitely going to have resilience that will build because it's like a natural thing that hope brings with it. So you don't even have to strategize around it because hope just brings it into play. And we begin to there's, we begin to feel we can. And, you know, when you have that amplified by three or four other people and they feel that too, anything's possible. So we start with we can. And then what will emerge is things that we hadn't thought we could do will now become things we can do next. So I think it's, I think honesty is where it's got to begin. You know, that is is a great place to lean in from, you know, and because that, that comes from the heart and from, from the spirit. So th that is so critical uh, for leaders to, to be able to just level with people. Yeah, just, just level with people. So what would you like to leave, you know, our listeners with? you know, a word of inspiration, um, someplace for them that, someplace for them to go um, as, as human beings. I feel, I feel like, I feel like, although this has been great, we talk, it feels so heavy, <laughs> right? I'm sorry, it feels so heavy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels so heavy. I, I think one of the things I want to say is you still need a happy environment where people can laugh. Yes. Right? They, people, you've got to be able to laugh. Because there's just so many things like this topic can be so heavy of a topic that you've got to be able to have some humor with this. This has got to be sprinkled with a whole bunch of crazy jokes 
like <laughs> some <laughs> characters shipped. You know, we got you got to put some humor on this because otherwise you'd be so depressed by what's coming because you don't know what's coming and that sense of surety is gone. But if you can get a group of people together and you can laugh. And if you are not a funny person, because like I'm not a funny person. I got a good laugh, but I'm not a funny person, right? But bring some funny people in, you know, share some jokes from YouTube, you know, a, an area where people can laugh because laughter is healing to the soul. And when we're dealing with humans, oh my gosh, with all the things that go wrong, there's gotta be some healing that's around. And the way we can bring healing into a work atmosphere is through laughter. So we've got to laugh. Well, we've got to be able to laugh at ourselves first. Working oh. us about us, the odd way we look at things, you know, stuff that we say. And and so then humor does a lot. It does so much. So if we want resilience and we want honesty and we want generative growth, we got to bring some humor. Right? <laughs> I concur. I agree 100%. Um, and yeah. please, please bring in humor. Please bring some humor in. You got it. You have to. Bring yeah. It. And one, one, one of the, you know, the, the generative agile leadership or generative leadership tenets, number eight, the last one is fun and joy. So it completely aligns with what you're saying it's not you know so willing and, and enabling focusing on we is important but you need to have some fun and joy in there yes like i said yeah. you're spending a whole year with all these people for all these hours oh my gosh you've got to be able to laugh you know you gotta be able to laugh so that's if there's one thought i want to leave with everybody is laugh don't don't let go of laughter Right. I, I completely let, agree. Don't do it. Don't let anything take that away. So make a point of being deliberate about laughter. You know, be deliberate about it. So there's always a space. There's always room made for joy and laughter so that fun can emerge. You know, because everybody knows we can have a good laugh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, Nothing. you need it. Nothing, nothing like it. Nothing like it. So Lizzie, Lizzie Morris, thank you so much for coming on the Not Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like, I always have such a great conversation with you. So I'm always excited to, you know, have this time with you to, to share knowledge and, and experiences. So, so thank you so much. Welcome. And I look forward to us, you know, you bringing this topic out. And us being able to sit down with lots of minds and just really dig in, you know what I mean? Really kind of, yes, yeah. I would say, really collaborate around it. Um, yes, for sure. So, so much in this, you know, and I'm excited that you're bringing this podcast to the world and all the things that will happen as a result of it, because this is, this is what we need. You know, yes, we have a past, whether it yes. was great or bad or indifferent, but the hope is we have a future, right? And generative yes. leadership, leadership is about tomorrow. It's about the future that we do have. So hooray 
you know, there is a future coming that we haven't yet got to, that can be better than where we are right now. But we yes, won't yes, get yes. without each other. We need to do so. this together. Yeah, we do. We need to, we need to do yeah. this together. That's the message to leave everybody with. You know, take another look at your teams. Leaders, take another look at yourself. Um, and think about, okay, if we get, let's do, let's start new. Let's take on a new a and just start over. It's okay. You know, as long as you've got life and as long as you've got a brain, right? Because life and a brain, you the two moving together, right? If you've got those two going, I always believe it's possible for you to make your next best move. And so that's what I encourage everybody to do. Make your next best move. And can I do a plug? <laughs> yes, do a plug before we close. Yes, yeah, let me go ahead. A plug. I want to tell everybody about the conference we're doing, the um, Gratitude Attitude. We're doing a live conference the 17th to the 19th of November in Dallas. And you can register on nextbestmove.com. And next with an X, not not an E. So it's just next move, next best move, because we believe that when you're moving forward, you X out all the things that have already happened into your next best move, right? So we're bringing together leaders, people from the HR world and change people, people who've done change and organizational change to discuss things like generative leadership. You know, what is next on the menu? What do we have to start doing so that the world of work looks different? And it's a place where you enjoy being for so many hours out of the day. What can we do to make that better? So please check it out. Uh, check me out on LinkedIn. You'll see ads about it. Um, and Dr. Noel here will be sharing, doing a workshop on generative leadership because this is right. awesome stuff. We want everybody to make their next best move. And generative leadership is definitely an expert move for leaders and organizations everywhere. So thank you again for having me. Thank you for making me make my plug. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, you know, let me just wrap up and say, you know, this is a wrap for another insightful episode of the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Uh, just remember your agility journey is a series of learning opportunities and leadership is a continuous process of growth and adaptation. All right. So stay tuned for our next um, episode where we will dive into not only the importance of trust, you know, and how you, we achieve our goals. And so trust is an essential effective leadership. So build trust with your team and encourage them to take ownership of their work. So until next time, keep leading with a focus on we, willing and enabled, and may your leadership journey be filled with inspiration and positive impact. Amen to that. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. I like that we willing and enabled. That's it. That's let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have some share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.